Hi, I'm Connor Bronzett, your guest host for today's Dev Interrupted. Usually, I'm behind the soundboard producing the podcast, but I managed to convince our host Dan Lyons to come on with his co-founder, Ori Karen, to answer some questions about their own journey to creating a startup that grew tenfold in 2021. We had an incredible conversation about the lessons these two co-founders have used to create Linear B while being 5,000 miles away from each other with Dan in Los Angeles and Ori in Tel Aviv. They talk about their experience in helping build CloudLock, what that company's $300 million acquisition taught them about what they did and didn't want from their careers, and how to build a cohesive, driven team when employees are rarely, if ever, in the same room, let alone country. I hope you enjoy this pod as much as I did. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Dev Interrupted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcasting app of choice. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dev Interrupted. Linear B COO and co-founder Dan is our guest today, along with his co-founder of Linear B, CEO Ori Karen. Ori, Dan, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me today. Thank you, Connor. Yeah, awesome to be here. Dan, I, I got to ask, does it feel a little strange for the other side of the mic? It feels great. First of all, thank you for being a great producer. And I feel honored to be on the other side of the mic. We have so many great guests that come on the Dev Interrupted, and I get to be a guest now. It feels awesome. Great. Well, I, I'm really excited to be here in person and awesome with you both. And I can't wait to go in depth about your careers as engineering leaders, the founding story of Linear B, and also recap our first year of Dev Interrupted and talk about what's next. I want to begin by giving the community a chance to get to know you both better. Dan, let's start with you. When did you know you wanted to be an engineering leader? Yeah, great question. I, I never had a goal to be an engineering leader. I never said like, oh, I'm a software developer. I'm an engineer. What I wanted to do was create great products. Gotcha. That's what I was really into. So like growing up, like I was reading about Steve Wozniak, Steve Jobs. You can get a small group of people, software developers that can create like a world impacting piece of software. That's what I wanted to do. So I was more into that. And then software development was a means to actually yeah. get that done. It's the right tool yeah, for the job. Perfect tool. Awesome. So that's kind of how I got into it. And Oria, I have heard you say that you knew you were going to be an engineer in fifth grade. Actually, I don't know if I knew I was going to be an engineer, but yeah, in fifth grade, uh, my parents bought me my first computer and, you know, I started by playing some games there. But then like, I found that there's another thing, like there was basic and you can like type commands and build small programs. And it was magic. I forced my parents and my sister, hey, look at this crappy thing I built. Hey, push the buttons and it does that. Yeah? You ever tried like a game with basic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah sitting there and seeing them like trying to do stuff it's it's a magic i actually did, did other stuff in my childhood I, I was an athlete i played basketball so i didn't know i wanted to be an engineer but when i got my first job it was actually like to the equivalent of yahoo in israel and i was like doing data entry putting websites into an index yeah and the room next door there was the developer and i said hey what are you building and I got the basic book and say, it's the same thing that I did like eight years ago. Uh -huh. I'm going to start. And this was my first job. And ever since then, I'm like, then I'm super excited, like building stuff, seeing what people are doing with the things that we're building. That's still like the kick. So I know that you both met at CloudLock, but not all of our audience knows that. In fact, Adam and our Discord asked for the story. So let me ask two questions. One, how did you both end up in CloudLock? And two, how did you meet and decide to eventually become co-founders together? Yeah. Want to start, Dan? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. So I went to school at Villanova University, okay. like outside of Philly. And then I got my first job. It was in Jersey area. It was not a startup job. I had to dress up. I'm wearing 
collared shirt on Wednesdays. We had to wear a tie. I, was I, I can't picture you like that, to be honest. I was just trying to ensure that I could actually get a job out of school. Totally. Yeah. Nine months into that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Going to look for a startup. Okay. So I started looking for a startup. I found what became CloudLock. It was actually called Appergo at the time. I was like 20, 23 years old. Did an interview there. And I don't know, it just felt like in five days or something or whatever, you put in your two weeks. I'm packing up all my stuff from Jersey. Moved to Boston, started. It was an up-and-coming software wow. company. I was a junior developer there. That's how I got started. When you were like one of the first developer hires, right? I think I was like the second person. I didn't realize you had to move from Jersey. You're just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Now I'm just awesome. done like pack. I had like a tiny apartment. I'm living by my, myself. Takes two seconds of pack. Yeah. Throw it all, all in the car. It's like, okay, here's possibly a life-changing event. It ended up being a light on. Just wanted me to happen. Yeah. What about you, Ori? I actually came to Gladlock already with like some experience. Before I was working in another company that got acquired, another startup in Israel that it was called Intel was at at t acquired. And then I need some other things and a buddy of mine was one of the founders that gave me a call hey why don't you join us it was like the perfect timing so i started building a team in tel aviv i'm from israel from tel aviv right and we built the complementary product for cloud it was very successful so we were the team like to i don't know, 10 people and this is more or less i think more around cross was Dana an engineering manager at this point? I was like an up-and-coming manager. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of worked your way in. Or right the, you, in the U.S. side, or it was in Israel. Israel, yeah. yeah. What made you two decide to become co-founders together later? Well, this is like six, seven years later. Uh-huh. We had quite a journey, right? So we joined forces and we worked in all, I think, all the permutations. At the beginning, like I became like the VP of R&D right. and reported to me. And we built this amazing organization. Then I moved to do some other role and I told everybody the natural candidate to lead like this organization is then. So, awesome. so I needed more stuff for me because I was sort of like a CDO. Hey, I need resources. So yeah. we had an amazing experience yeah. working together, seeing each other. Like, high synergy. Uh, I think that built a relationship. It's almost like a marriage to, to build a company. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We had like a remote relationship. Before one, else. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. Or you needed to do that. Like, we, like you have to do now. Do you think that set you up for success in the modern era, as I'll call it? I'm pretty sure because, you know, I think. So we, we worked a lot, like, also face-to-face. I was probably to Boston. Then was coming to Tel Aviv. But I think the, the fact that we started remote and it was always there. Yeah. Which is all we needed to which was okay. Like, we know what to do here. Yeah, we know what to do like that. And when we founded Linear V, right, if you think about, or if you've been in Israel, I was in LA. Totally. So it's just like, oh, we we already know how to do that. There was a year that we didn't make now because of COVID. I don't think, I've heard a lot of stories of like founders, hey, like, losing trust. I don't don't think like we we were able to pull this off. We we didn't have this 100% trust. That makes sense. That's a good point. Professional respect to each other. I also know a lot of leaders who listen to the show are maybe trying to start companies like you two have or are part of companies that may seek to eventually be acquired or are looking to be acquired now. And you both went through a big acquisition with CloudLock's $300 million acquisition by Cisco. Can you tell me a bit about that experience? Maybe give me lessons learned for other leaders? Awesome. <laughs> so even before the acquisition, the things I really learned in this journey is like uh, be a restless. Okay. Like, there's no point with, okay, we made it. Like every point keep you push in it, yeah, keep pushing, keep iterating, keep changing stuff. Our CEO, Gil Zimmerman, I, I learned a lot from him. Still, we still like, uh, 
good relationship I give followers every now and then, but I think it's uh, ingrained into like the linear B DNA, like, okay, we're doing great. What is the game changer now that yeah. can change everything? And Cloudwork had that great culture that even when we, you know, we're selling out of 10, 15 million dollars, I always say, okay, is there something we're missing? Is there like a product or something that we can build that will change this? So I think that was like really one of like the biggest lessons I learned and it's really got like a, in, into my DNA now. Was it tough though when you went to Cisco and had this like totally other culture you're having to deal with? So I got to give compliments to Cisco. Cisco knows how to do acquisitions very well. To me, the experience was amazing. First six to nine months were super cool. We were able to keep our brand. They gave us everything that we wanted. We have to fight for some things like office. Sure. Uh, and we don't have to fight. But the significant difference, no matter how well they do it, when you're a startup, your entire energy goes outside. Gotcha. Know me. I'm here. You're working market. You're, we're, we're amazing. See us. We're here. Yes. And then when you're in Cisco and there's an enterprise, all your energy say, how can I persuade oh, these people okay. to make this move? So totally. it's, that's like the significant difference that like, at least for me, it was too much. And I decided like to move on. What about for you, Dan? Yeah, I would say, so some of the, the lessons, so when you're in a startup, it's definitely a grind. So one of the things sure. that I, I kind of said myself is like every day, just take it day by day, be your best self every day. And if you pile on good days, good day after good day, yeah. positive things will happen. It's like an at bad at being build strong habits and just yeah. keep, keep, Hey, you're going to get another chance. Like you just stay consistent with it. Yeah. Stay for the journey. If you start thinking too far into the future, what's going to happen, your brain can get all, all messed up. Come in, do a good job. The other thing that I learned probably from Gil as well, and actually I think Ori kind of embodies this, or we talk about it at, at Linear Beat. You got to know what time it is in the business. Hmm. Is it time to scale and put your energy towards hiring? Is it time to figure out a, a really important technical challenge or something with infrastructure that will set you up for the next two years? Is it time to innovate? The earlier that you can like recognize what time it is, the better off you'll be. And I, I do think it's a skill that you can learn or you can ask yourself that question. What time? What are we trying to do in the business? What time is it right now? Yeah, I read this post. I can't find it. Where there was the CEO. Every year, you would write like the job description for the CEO. And he was saying, am I right for this role? What should I change? And every year, and by the way, by the seventh year, I think it's okay, it's not me, it's somebody else. And it doesn't matter if you're the CEO or you're ever leading a team or, or whatever. That is like a good move to do. Because if you're in a startup that's doing well, the job description that changes, right? I feel like one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given was to kind of do exactly what you're saying, Dan, where like nail each day, just try to try to have wins each day. And then every 90 days, look and say, okay, am I doing the right things? Because you need enough time to try things and make sure something's working, give it an effort, but you have to then change over time as well. And so I, I think that's exactly what you're both talking about is this, you know, things come in phases. It might be that in six months, linear view is focused on quadrupling hiring, or it could be that we need to really focus on ARR and it'll depend on the phase of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the challenges you think led you to learning these lessons or becoming the leaders you are today? I think a lot of the challenges that I've had was usually around people. At Cloudlock, I was a first time leader. That's when I went from developing you know, around the job and everything. Yeah. Long about it. We've done pods about it. One of the, the toughest things. And then you go from team leader, maybe you have a team of 10 
all of a sudden you might be managing multiple teams. Maybe I have 20, 30 people under me. Yeah. I uh, was then a director. I think I was reporting to you at that time. I became a VP. Oh, now I'm scaling up to 60, 70 people. That's where the, ch- for me, the challenges are. There's the hiring, there's the retention, there's setting people up for success. Of course, it's like, are we yeah, choosing the right technologies sure. or, or is our uh, infrastructure built in a way that we can rapidly release? There's challenges too, but all of that is also reflected on how you're setting up your work structure. Right. And we have a global development team. Yeah. I mean, we have people in the U.S., we have people in Israel, we have people in Ukraine. We had people in UK. Very distributed. Very distributed before it's time. So I would just say a lot of what shaped me was understand what's going on with the people. That's how you're going to make good things happen. What about for you, Ori? I think uh, it's a combination. One part is kind of the same with people. Like, so I was a manager before. And the first thing you learn people is like, I always talk about the transition from working with a computer. And every function is deterministic. Like you put the same parameter into a function, you get the same result. People are not like that. Like Yo. you do action A, one person will react uh, in a great way and the other person will react different. So uh, learning this, like the first step and then scaling this, like definitely to me, it was even more challenging because I remember the first time I came to Boston and said, okay. But it's so probably a different culture still too. Different culture. Yeah. And then you need to understand like how you get people moving, right? In Israel, like everybody, you know, everybody have to do army. Like, uh, so it's very regimented. Hey, we're going to do this thing. I was like, great. Everybody's moving. In, in right. the U.S. I was like, okay, let's start. Here's the content. Dad then was like super helpful. Like to, okay, how you communicate. Learn the different communication styles. Yeah, I also, one is challenge. I had two roles. I was VP of R&D. I also was the site lead in Israel. So I think traveling, making sure everything was working and totally. building this operation until it kind of directs me to what we're building here in the NMB. So those are my challenges. I'll say one, one more. Yeah, do it. There's like, because uh, there's so many challenges, right? I just remember the other thing, since the, the business is moving rapidly, mm-hmm. so that you can get a business idea faster than you can develop software. Like I can oh, think wait. of the next right. thing. Oh, so if you're, you're a leader, there's that constant check-in with the business alignment. Are we doing the right things? I have to re-say if we're doing the right things, like to my executive team, I have to maybe change something. Maybe we're not like our investment in this one area is like totally wrong now, but two weeks ago it was right. So like constantly having to say, are we doing the right things for the business? from the engineering side, and usually you're lagging the ideas. I think that that was challenging. Yeah. And that's a, not only a skill, but also a tooling thing of how much visibility you have. And that's why everyone's talking about observability these days. So I know we're going to get into that a bit later. Sure. Um, but beforehand, I want to ask one of our Discord members, Jan, asked me to find this out. What do you each view as your leadership styles? I think this is a great congruency with what we were just asking about, like changing that. Uh, like, Ori, why don't, why don't you start? Like, I know you've had to adapt, but what's your style as you think? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, well, it depends on the size, but I think my way and what the, the feedback that I'm getting a lot, I need to understand details and mm-hmm. re- I need to see data. And I think my role is like a CEO now, sometimes it, when I'm sitting with my VP of sales, marketing, whatever is okay, see the data and offer it like a second opinion. And I gotta understand the details at the level that can be there and, and challenge. Yeah. I'll let Dan answer, but I think that has like this other quality that compliments that, that is better facilitated or better okay. sender, better. The styles that we have, I think are complementary. Yeah. Sometimes it works well. 
I, I just tried to think, how do I enable my people in the best way possible? Like my job is to facilitate them being the best they can be. And I need to trust them like that. So someone that's working for me, honestly, has to be really, really good because I'm putting a lot of faith that if I enable you, you're going to do the right thing. And I think stars are are kind of born from that. They're like stars kind of thrive in that type of atmosphere. Now, on the flip side, one thing that I, I have learned from Orient, and I want to get a little bit better in some of the reasons that we found in Linear B, a little bit more data-driven. If you can see the data, you can help people more because you can see right. some of the behaviors that they're experiencing without having to go into every single detail about their job description. Oh, I'm seeing this number, you know, going up a little bit here. Let's talk about that. That's cool. And I think as you both point out, these are congruent leadership styles. And I know we're going to get into this more when we talk more about linear B, but having the data and the understanding of what's going on, it should be used to complement how you then work with your people. Like that's the ideal congruency. And I think it's, it's the problem you're both trying to solve with linear B is how do we get the data to help you help our people? Yeah. And it's also very clearly like how you two work together, which is, which is awesome to see. I like what you said, Dan, about building trust too, because I know it's something when I came on board to work on the podcast with you, like it took a couple of weeks, you know, we had to like work it out, talk, then get to know each other, you know, bond over fantasy football or whatever. And then and now we have like this built in trust. We're like, okay, like here's how we work together. But it, it's definitely a really important function of being a leader. And we've, we've had people on the podcast talk about this, like Rukmini Reddy, VP of Engineering for Slack came on and she talked a yeah. lot about this, like fostering traps, really getting to know your handful. Yeah. So in like my leadership style, you have to have the trust right. or then it's honestly like also chaos. And the other, other thing I like about the trust is I think like if I bring a piece of data to you, or I don't know, hey, Connor, the pod view is going down right. uh, this week. I want to talk about it. You know, I'm coming from a good place. We can see that data and say, okay, let's have a real conversation about the details right. behind it. That's best case scenario for yeah. that. Well, and even if we have a disagreement yeah. in the moment, we can go, okay, like we have this built trust so we can then move forward and adjust and iterate with it. Yeah, and I think to, to your point, Orion, another guest that we had was Brandon Burns, the co-founder of Kubernetes and CBP at Microsoft. One thing he talked about, most of his job, he leads a 600-person organization. He says he does 10 to 20, 30-minute one-on-ones a day sometimes, just so we can get to know the details. That's a challenge I know that we're trying to solve a linear B of, of having more data to back this up. But it, it sounds like that's something that's very true for you. You need to get to know people so you can understand the details of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And also, this is how I operate. I meet every person in the company at least like every six weeks. I think it complements each other. Like you got to have the trust. You got to let people shine. You got to give them runway to build great things. But at the end of the day, you're also, hey, let's look at some data. Let's see what's working. Let's see what's not working. Let's offer a second opinion of what we can improve. Right. I think my next challenge is how do you do it at scale? For 50 people, when you grow more, how do you preserve that culture and that mentality? Uh, but we'll figure it out. From my viewpoint, it sounds like this experience of working remote and then having to build these teams that have maybe these different initial cultures really has made you think intentionally about how to build the culture for linear B today. Are there other things you think about as far as culture where you go, okay, like these are the key things I want to make sure we're building on beyond trust and, and kind of data orientation. That's the culture that we're trying to encourage. Bring great people, give them space like to grow and build great things. One, once they do it, throw more at them. It's great. People like to do more things. I really love that aspect about our culture. Uh, uh, small anecdote. Our, our head of sales kind of told me, it's in a nice way, but he's like, Hey, most companies really just celebrate when you make a sale. 
Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, the CEO says like, that's the number one thing. You, you just made a sale. It's a big amount of money and you celebrate. It's like, what I like about this company is we celebrate when the product's adopted. That's a, a different mindset. Like, okay, let's get it up and running. It's got to be used. That's what we we're like most proud. So that was cool to hear, hear him say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's true. Like when teams sign up for worker bee, people are going nuts in Slack. We're all stoked. We're like, yes, like it's working. It's going to help us. Yeah. Developer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess like we do talk about linear B on the show sometimes. And I also feel like we've never really given folks a full deep dive into linear B and, and how it started. We've kind of alluded to it a bit here, but what inspired the two of you to start linear B? It's interesting. I think both of us like left Cisco at the same time more or less, but I was first. You were first. Oh, for <laughs> Got it, yes. He was first. Like, no, no, no. I was first, yeah. But, you know, when the conversation started, like one of the things, it wasn't clear what we wanted to do exactly, but oh, hey, this thing about, remember when our team was like executing like crazy, everybody knew exactly what they need to do. How can we help people that are going through right. the same journey to find that point and like to optimize to that point? This was like the background story of uh, okay. how we sell the linear me. So it's a good point because I think when the, again, we're, we're coming from a scale, a lot of the customers that use linear B are in successful scale ups. Even if you're a large customer, you're doing something innovative. You care right. about delivering a great product. And to Ori's point, it's like you go through waves of, I know what's going on and I know right. how to help. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to help. I know what's going on. And it might be because you're hiring managers below you or you're in the details, you're not in the details, it goes through waves. Some of what Linear V does, like when we, in the products evolve, but it kind of allows you to make an impact at any time. You can always have the ability to go and help your team be better. It's not just in certain ways. Visibility. Yeah. Let's boil it down. So if someone's listening to the podcast and they're not familiar with the company, what's the problem we're going to solve for them? We think there's a... Super interesting problem in the world right now. If you're an individual developer nowadays, everything is like faster. You can customize GitHub on your laptop. Everything is locked. Right. You get all the notification. Everything is moving fast. And going into 2020, the developer process for teams to work together was already, in my opinion, half broken. And then came 2020 with everything that happened. Yeah, really worked. And I think it's a completely break. So Linear B's mission is to help teams building working software and accelerate it and improve how you deliver software. Our philosophy is that it has to include three layers. For a CTO or somebody who's running the engineering organization, it has to include like a business alignment layer, like Dad said. A CEO would come and say, what are we working on? Can I see like where are we investing time? So that's one layer. There are companies that are doing that. And there's another layer which says, okay, we have a development pipeline here. How can we optimize that things are moving fast? How do I help my team solve problems? Yeah. Remove bottlenecks, et cetera. Because, you know, in software, there's this, I call this this bicycle syndrome. If you move fast enough, you're actually like in better quality. Right. Sometimes counterintuitive, but if you slow down and say, oh, we have quality problems, let's slow down. Developers will still develop code, then you'll end up with big releases that will hurt your quality. It's a vicious cycle. So if you move fast, optimizing on the development pipeline is super important. Right. And then last but not least is the piece of like, 
we're in the development productivity business. And we talked about those developers that all their dev environment is like now customized and I can move fast. Now, if they're working in a team, they are spending extra hours, sometimes more, and I'm just updating tickets and being right. in meetings they shouldn't be. A lot of like things that they shouldn't do. A lot of cognitive switching between both Exactly, them. exactly. And, and what's very unique about the AB solution you won't find anywhere is like we invest a lot of time in what we call the developer workflow optimization. We want to take an hour off all this bureaucracy from developers. And that's our philosophy because we, we truly believe that if you really want to help improve, it's not about, just about dashboards from managers. We got to get the, the developers to adopt it too. And we're super proud of that, our numbers. When we go and we roll out and deep, we get between like 60 to 80% of the developers using the product every week. Probably the best evolution of our business is going from, yeah, you need the visibility for your senior leaders, all of that. Help them developers deliver code every day. Like oh. that's what's actually going to matter. If you want to be more efficient, move with better quality, save your de developers time, not work crazy hours. You have to do something to help them. And that's what we're doing now with uh, Worker Bee. Worker Bee, yeah. So that's like probably our most proud yeah. feature. Like <laughs> Ben said, right? We are growing fast. So we're gonna, we can talk numbers, but we're growing really fast. But honestly, if we ask us of what we're proud of, like we have a selection and every time the developers are logging the product, if we thought about it like two or three years ago, developers would like their productivity and we cracked something. Dev productivity for me as a developer is, hey, take this bureaucracy off me and let me focus right. on my craft and we were able to build something that helps them do that. So the thing is, if you think about where does my time go as a developer, where do I want it to go? Uh, when I was a developer, I like coding, like right. building the thing we talked about. In the, am I creating something great? Now, maybe 30% or less of my time is going there. A lot of my time is going to my updating my project management tool. Where is my code? Am I waiting for someone to review it? Did they get released? Is it being tested? Right. How could I take all of that and silo the non-coding effort off of a developer, let them create amazing things? And I think that's why developers like it. And I've, I've heard you use the phrase automated continuous improvement, which it sounds like is because when developers are using this product, it helps them become more efficient by eliminating some of this idle time and letting them reduce that cognitive load, reduce cognitive switching. And then for the leadership team, they get to just have these improvements happen because this product's been used. I don't know, automated continue, it's like a business phrase, but I like really broke it down. Like, okay, if you're a leader that's interested in linear B, like what I was asking myself in the beginning, what are you doing to help every one of your team members? So let's translate again. What am I doing to help all of my developers improve? Now we say automated continuous improvement. Well, yeah, I'm yeah. putting something into the hands of all of my developers that save them all one hour a day. You're going to see gains on, I'm delivering my projects on time. I have happier developers. As Ori was saying, it's like riding a bike. As you move faster, you actually get more stable, move faster, get stable. Yeah. So that's all the things that you get. Yeah. It's a second time it's faster that you're more stable. If I'm a developer and, and by the way, I think this company, it's, it's so far, far about in the last days when my first kids were born. You go through a journey of like becoming a child again. Remember like how you get excited. Oh, uh, first yeah. time at the beach, oh, all the beaches. Well, let's call some Legos. <laughs> so I think this journey is also about, oh yeah, let's remind ourselves what it means to be a developer. Like totally. Yeah. So yeah, if I'm a developer, that's what I want. I want you to save me some time. I want when I'm, when I'm pushing a PR and I want somebody to review, if it happens in the same day, you know, in, in, in 30 minutes from when I'm at, 
requesting it. And by the way, if another 30 minutes in production, it's the safest because everything is in my memory. If a day passed and I now need to remind myself, it takes like 23 to 25 minutes to get to the same cognitive situation. Yep. Where you, 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 There's a lot of research on this. That's what we believe in. That's the way to improve. I think that'll be a huge differentiator. What are some of the other key advantages that you see Linear be having versus competitors in the marketplace? We talked about the developers piece. I don't see any other competitors that are getting to that level of 80% right. usage. We talked about how it's a win-win situation because right. if I'm a developer, I want to push my code faster and also improves the quality because again, everything is fresh in my mind and also improves like the time to value because we're able to push more code. So managers are happy too and they can slay their metrics. I think if you are able to kind of like align everybody together to the same vector, same and that's something super unique about the Linear B solution that nobody else has. So the adoption numbers, those things, the, the work you be tool is giving us visibility to first party data that nobody else has, or like the idle time, vast review from then. I can know how much time it took to then like to understand that I asked you. We have some data that, no, that again, nobody else in the industry has, and we're building intelligence and solutions awesome. on this data. Yeah. Um, so we feel very strong in what we have. Uh, we'll continue to improve. The automated continuous improvement and workflow optimization that Linear B is doing, particularly with Worker B, is super exciting. How do you see that expanding and growing in the future? We have a feature, right? It's called Worker B. Developers are using it. I think it's doing a really good job right now in the pull request review lifecycle, mm -hmm. making that more efficient, giving the time back to the developers, kind of letting you know, hey, maybe this is the best pull request to review right now. We got some interesting machine learning going on there. The others, hey, this one will take you 13 minutes, but based on your past behaviors, like this other one's going to take you like 45 minutes. Don't start it right now. That's the starting and stopping is like the worst thing you yeah. can do. Where I see it going, so more actions. I can take an action, you know, you're getting these messages in, into Slack right now. I can take an action. I can merge the PR. Mm -hmm. Maybe some more visibility into what your code is doing in production. Did it get released? Is it being used? But the other thing that we've been talking about that I think will be really cool is reduce that project management stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know, you're, you're using Jira. You have to link a branch to a ticket. I think developers don't like not coding and you know, non-coding activity to update your manager or, you know, what's going on the iteration, where my ticket is in the life cycle. So how do we automate that then? Yeah, let's link the branch up for you automatically to the ticket. That's always the ticket around. We've been talking a lot about that. I think that'll save more time. Cool. Um, so there's a few interesting things that we're doing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've been considering like, we've been getting a request to take some of these capabilities and putting even, you know, in the IDE for developers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's where like, uh, we're spending a lot of luck and like their time. But I think, yeah, you're in the point. If I can go through a day and everything I need to do in my project management and Jira and all these other things that I can, you can automate it for me and save me those route trips, again, context switches, it's dramatic. Because having so many times, everybody's trying to optimize the big, big things. No, like you can optimize, save and mean it. You're doing like yeah. 100 times a day. It's dramatic. If I make every developer in my organization's job easier and save them time, mm -hmm. that will trickle up to the entire rest of the organization. You see it in the data. Yeah. The cycle time 
goes down as more developers oh, use worker be on that. It's like, I don't know, like developer, like if I was a developer, to be honest, I don't know that I really care that the site sign is necessarily right out. I'm getting my, my work out. But if you're like a leader, right, your responsibility back to the business is to deliver projects on time, do what you say you're going to do. Like if you care about doing that, you want your cycle time to decrease. That's what it does. Right. And as a developer, I, my code gets to production faster. I don't have to come back to it two weeks later and go, okay, man, what was I just here? Happier. Just get it done. Like it's a perfect one. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, integrate a little bit better to everything that hap- happens after you, like you release your code. Yeah. Was it really successful? You know, the Dora metrics, like everybody's talking about change failure rate right now. We have some great solutions that are coming out, like to have a full yeah, package of all the Dora metrics. Awesome. Uh, and something a little bit about uh, how stable it is once you release. So I've, dr- I've dragged this down into the weeds a bit. Let's zoom out a bit let, and get to know Linear V a little bit better. The two of you raised a successful $16 million Series A back in March of 2020, or sorry, March of 2021. I forget what year it is. Okay. It's a, it's been a blur, though. Yeah, it's a blur. The 21. Yeah, March 2021 seems like three years ago. I agree that does. Or you, can you tell the audience a bit about the team and who's backing Linear B? We have an RD team that is based in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. A very, very strong team. We have an amazing team on the other side of the ocean uh, in the US based on like a couple of hubs, success, marketing, sales. And in terms of who's backing B, we were lucky because we have an amazing board. We have Ariel Weisslos. He was like a part of the engine investors that invested in B from the beginning. Awesome. Really supportive. I really like, you know, sometimes he's challenging us, like I'm challenging, like, yeah. Our but yeah, Ariel's awesome. Ariel's sharp. Great entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have like Gil Gore from 83 North. All the crew there is amazing. And we did a round with Battery and Decaviv partners, amazing investors. Armesh, our Madari has so much value to us. Like he has like this perspective. We've seen how companies scale. He, he's seen, okay, how do you go from 2 million to eight to 10 yeah. uh, and, and further on. So we have some good uh, advices there. Amazing board. Our investors <laughs> not only believe in the company they know the space, like they play yeah. out of the table. Yeah. Developer adoption. That's what matters. I would add to that. It wasn't always like the highest offer that they. Yeah. Sometimes we took like the second best, but the first best in terms of people. Yeah. Overall will be best for the company. So let's say someone's considering applying to a job at Linear B. What are the things you'd want them to know? Like, how would you, how would you pitch me if I'm applying? I honestly, my style of pitching, of course, like, uh, I know people are really nervous, like when they're talking. Yeah. I'm starting to say, Hey, let me tell you about my journey, telling the Linear B story. Well, where we are right now and what we're looking for, and then the culture, we talked about how demanding it is, but right. also how like will people like grow and build great things. Those are like the things that I'm, I'm looking at, like when I'm in an interview, like I, I want to hear about, you know, similar experiences where you, you saw a problem and you say, okay, now well, he and I want like to build, that's like the kind of quality that I really like, like to look at people, but uh, that's at least my style of how I would interview. What about you, Ben? I don't even pitch. If you come to Linear B, you have an opportunity to make an impact beyond just even the role that you're signing up for. Right. You want to grow your career. Everyone work, works hard, of course, and you, you want to work hard, but you want to get something out of it for yourself. If that's the right time in life for you, that's what we can offer. Right. So I try to just describe, here's what's going on at Linear B. Right. 
is this the right situation for you and your career? And a lot of the great people like you said, yeah, it's the right time. Other people might say, hey, that's not the right time for me. I'm not ready for that big growth. Are there any mistakes that you feel like you've made so far that you're like, oh, people should learn from this or that you feel like you've learned for, from? You mean today or? Just so far in the, the life cycle of company. Uh, no, like honestly, those, I would divide it into two parts, like the answer. I think that we make mistakes all the time. Sure. And the trick is like to be honest, identify fast and change. Yeah. So that's like a general fail fast. Yeah, fail fast. And one of the things, like, I think, uh, I mean, when we started in 2019, we were kind of tempted into, because we got customers fast and we had like a bunch of customers who were using the product, but the position that we, we sold it was like a very top down managers used it. Right. If I would start over, I would say, uh, the sale and, and then by the way we caught ourselves and said no that's not the product that, that's not the culture yeah. like we know how good it's like about them we, we talked about it so maybe we wouldn't go through this uh maybe even earlier on gone by on. but <laughs> but there's no i don't see it as a mistake that's your yeah. journey like you change you as long as we looked at the reality you know really quickly we identified it and we changed you make mistakes all yeah. the time you just react to them change yeah. Here's the thing. Sometimes your strength can also be your weakness. So Ori and I are engineering founders, right? Not necessarily coming from like an MBA background. And so I think our strength is kind of a little bit of that engineering personality. Build a great product, do it the right way, high quality, be humble. You know, like you're not like bragging or being like super eccentric. Now, on the flip side, I think maybe sometimes we've built something that is unbelievable and maybe we need to double down on getting the work, like, I don't know, not even the world out there, like hire more sales more rapidly or maybe just uh, open it up a bit and know, yeah. knowing, hey, you really have something incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to close by giving the community a bit of a recap of our first year of Dev Interrupted and, and a bit of a look at what's next. So, Dan... What are some of the biggest takeaways from a whole year of hosting the Devin Arthur podcast? She's okay. So I'll try to do it from a few different perspectives. Yeah. Like I haven't been a podcast host. This is my fir first podcast. You can start something like a podcast or an engineering leader. Like people want to hear what's yeah. going on. And there's not as many avenues for engineers or engineering leaders to speak about a story or to show like uh, something impressive that they've done or something that I learned than you would think. Particularly for so, leadership, I feel like. So, yeah, particularly for, for leadership. I don't even know if all developer stories really get out there either, but particularly yeah. for, for leadership. We had an incredible season one. The guest list is like, oh my God, if yeah. you haven't listened to the episodes, check them out. There are uh, nuggets of knowledge in there that can jump uh, careers, John, become an elite leader, right? So I guess I would just say like, what I learned is there's so many stories out there that haven't been told. I'm, I'm happy we were able to get um, those stories out there so other leaders can improve. I'm excited about it. You know, personally, I'm particularly excited by some of our recent episodes, like Heidi Williams, who came on, she's yeah. uh, the head of B2B and platform engineering at Grammarly. Uh, and some of our upcoming episodes in season two are really excited too. You know, we have Jason Warner, he's the former CTO of GitHub and the managing director of Redpoint Ventures now. So he's going to have a really unique perspective, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's coming on the show for season two. Do either of you have any particular favorite episodes of last year, Ori? 
And I also listened to everything, but I had the opportunity in Interact Life to host a panel. That was cool. So it was the first time where, you know, when you're running company, you're always like heads down into your own small universe. So to me, it was really refreshing to have a, a panel of three engineering leaders, four, I think, sorry. And I learned from each one of them, like in like this one hour, said, hey, there's this thing you can listen to people and learn from them, not just be focused on yeah. your journey. So it was super refreshing experience for me. If anyone did miss that, it's live on our YouTube. You can check it out there. The whole thing's on there. I also intend to get several of those leaders back on the podcast in season two. So we'll hear more from them. Cool. Great. Dan, what about you? Favorite episodes? Yeah, I was going to go with the cop out of like, they're all great, but I yeah, yeah. Do, do have a favorite. And they, they are, all are like pretty damn good. I like the uh, Charity. Charity. Charity Major. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. Honeycomb. I'm, I have a pretty good engineering story you know, had some successes. We're doing the linear totally. thing. Things are going great. Charity inspired me. That's when I'm like, oh, this pod, like, you know, this is my, my favorite because I came off that pod. She has a whole thing about got to get cold out there. 15 minutes. Yeah. And some like brash, like uh, ways of saying, hey, if you're at a company that doesn't respect having a quick cycle time, getting your workout, go somewhere else. Like yeah. I felt rejuvenized and energized by that conversation. I love that. I would say, yeah, Charity, Charity Major. She has this uh, tweet or something I heard that said that's like, the leasing coach should be as unremarkable as a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You just got a way of saying it that you're like, oh, I'm like inspired. Uh, another huge thing that we've done, and you mentioned this already, is we hosted Interact, uh, a virtual conference for engineering leaders, took place September 30th. Again, it's all up on our YouTube if you want to check it out. We had more than 700 engineers and engineering leaders join us from over 75 countries uh, for our first ever conference. We hope you all join us uh, for Interact 2.0 on April 7th. What were your other takeaways from Interact? What did it tell you about where you see the community going forward? I think to me, again, it was a refreshing experience because Dan was doing all those things. You see all the potential. Yeah. But all the reactions, it was so cool. To people loved it. People loved it and reacted. You know, I, people said stuff and it was like on the broadcast. It was a refreshing experience for me like to see. It's not that we didn't know that when we started coming, we said, hey, there's a vacuum, right? There's conferences yeah. for every developers, but engineering leaders are so lonely. But it was super refreshing like to see that again, to see the volume of interest. And, uh, so to me, that, that was great. What about for you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, so, so interact conference, right? Content, super high quality. And it, I knew we're building a great community and Dem Interrupted isn't just an extremely awesome community, but when everyone's showing up, they're yeah. contributing, like Ori's saying, they're in the chat, how the chat, they're hitting you up on LinkedIn. That's when you really know that, okay, like this is important. That's kind of what hit me. When you want to help somebody that's in this position, a product is great. We got to have a product that measures things, help you improve like we all described, but it, it's not just that. You got to have all these resources and, and other people that you can talk to. Yeah. This is how we build a company. It's, yeah. it's a complete thing. It's a product that helps, but it's also the community and the resources. Once you have them both, which is another like big advantage of linear B, it's a much more of a leadership approach to how to improve. You're joining a community of people that also want to be a leader. Yeah. Like, you don't get that everywhere. We have almost 2,000 engineering leaders in our Discord today. Discord.gg slash dev interrupted. Check it out. We have the daily discussions during the week about engineering leadership topics. Cool. Are there goals that the two of you have for building that community and building Dev Interrupted in, in year two? One of the things that 
we want to do is uh, even double down on the investment of how to help developers. Like developers are also, you know, they want to build stuff. But I remember like uh, this 50% also are inspiring to builders. So there's a totally. connection there. I think like, the next uh, goal is like uh, build something like Dev Interrupted to help developers and to think about it. The discussions will be, hey, how do you take all the, you know, the bureaucracy and all those type of things? Um, so I think if we're successful in building also that, something that helps like the, the developers now yeah. on the next level. I love that. Who are your dream guests? Who do you want on the podcast? So season two, yeah. here, here's what I think we're going to get. Lots of inspirational stories about yes. achievement in technology or engineering leadership. So here, here's what I'm, I'm hoping for. Like I was thinking, oh, maybe I could think of a big name, but it's like, there's people maybe behind the scenes that build the infrastructure for, I don't know, WhatsApp or something. It's not necessarily the biggest name. And I want to come hear a story of how you scaled that amazing app that you built. And that's what I'm excited for. Okay. What about you, Ori? I really want to interview my two grandfathers. Both of them are no longer with us, but that's my dream. I, got, I had one grandfather who was like in kibbutz. He was working hard all the time. Now, another one was an entrepreneur. I've never had a chance to meet him. I had a normal answer. <laughs> I, I was going to say Jack Dorsey uh, of Twitter. That's the one I want to get. But uh, I, like, I like your two answers better, I think. So uh, <laughs> wonderful. But thanks, Dan, for letting me take over as the guest host this week. It's been great giving our community the opportunity to get to know the both of you a bit better. And Ori... It's fantastic sitting down with you as well. I love the founding story of Lanier B that you both shared. And I'm excited for year two of Dev Interrupted. To close out, for those who want to learn more about Lanier B, what's the top thing you'd recommend they do? I'm a product person. I would say like there's all these resources you can watch. You can go and listen to a podcast in Dev Interrupted. You can go into the Discord. But I say try a product. Yeah, well, that helps like uh, dev teams improve. It's a self-serve. You can start within like two seconds. So the best recommendation like uh, use a product, tell us if it's good, tell us if it's bad, tell us everything. LinearB.io, check it out. Yep. And if you're interested in joining a really incredible company, it's a, a great place to check out our career page too. Anything else from you, Dan? We built the product that you can try for free. It's easy to get set up. Go see what you think. Hook up Worker B. Try it for yourself, for your developers. And also be sure to join the, the Dev Interrupted Discord community. The discussions get better every day. Where engineering leaders have these kind of conversations all week and we dig into how to improve your engineering organization and third i just want to say thank you to the nearly 2000 of you who are now subscribed to our weekly interruption newsletter uh, we bring you articles from the community our weekly podcast inside information and a look at what's coming for interact 2.0 on april 7th in 2022 and also what's coming in dev rapid season two as always Links will be in the description below. And thanks for joining us for another week of Devin Erupted. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thanks, Ari Dan.